All right, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast, talking Sons of Fantasy Football uh, Week 2 this week. Joining me, your host, Matt Kozlowski, the Desert Dog, uh, the usuals, Steel Curtain, Eddie Mitchum. Great to be here, Matt. Sounds like it. Um, and also, take your ball and go home, Shane Stein. That's always nice to be here after a win, Matt. Yes, you did beat me. Um... That's the last we're going to talk about it the rest of the <laughs> night. So, uh, yeah, who got the wins in uh, week one? Looks like it was Take Your Ball and Go Home. Uh, Fleetwood Franchise and Seawolves got the wins in the Favre Division. In the Elway Division, it was the Patriots, uh, the Clan, and the Hammer. So, a couple of 0-1 teams matching up this week. Uh, maybe win or go home. <laughs> You're me too. <laughs> All right, let's get right into these Week 2 matchups. Let's start off with two guys that won last week in the far division. We're going to talk uh, Phil and the Seawolves against the Storms Bros and the Fleetwood franchise. First thing I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about uh, the Seawolves first. Question for you guys, what would you do if you owned Spencer Ware right now? Would you be trying to sell him, um, trying to really sell high on that 30-point effort that he had last week? Team, it seems like the only thing that he really needs is either a stability, a quarterback, or a top-end wide receiver talent. And I don't know that you're going to be able to get top-end wide receiver talent for where. So, I mean, maybe you can, maybe you can pull up a trade for a quarterback. I don't know that anyone's going to be willing to sell one of the top guys um, unless he can package something else with it. So, I think Phil's going to end up holding on to him. I think I would try to sell, though. Yeah, I think maybe if he made a realistic offer to my dad, he could probably get Cam from him. Um, but we've seen what those offers look like, and that's garbage. So I don't see that happening. Uh, but yeah, he could definitely package Ware and probably um, one of his lower-end wide receivers uh, to maybe make a run at Cam uh, right now, especially with my dad being the Charles owner. So if I was him, I'd be trying to either get Charles or move Ware. Uh, to really lock in that backfield because we've seen in the last couple of years that that's a backfield that you definitely want some pieces of. Yeah, you, you certainly, I mean, it's been pretty much a staple for how long now that you, you kind of want the Andy Reid backfield. Um, likes giving the ball to the running back no matter who it is. Any comments on that, Ed? Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Ed. No, I'll jump in. Uh, at some point, we have to assume Charles is coming back. Um, I mean, we don't know, but I'm assuming it's at some point here in the near future. Charles is going to come back. 
you say that Ware's going to have a role. I mean, does that make both of those guys must starts? Or, I mean, is it going to kill the value of both to the point where, I mean, almost like a Cincinnati backfield last year where you, you don't really know which guy to put in there? Yeah, I think that I think the Chiefs know they have a good team this year, and I think they feel pretty good about the way things are looking for them in the AFC right now. So if I had to guess, um, I kind of think we're going to see Ware and Charles split until maybe like week eight or nine, and then I think they'll try and cut Charles loose. But I think they know they have some talent in Ware, and I think they're going to try and conserve both those guys um, for the next couple weeks. All right, let's talk about the franchise. Uh, question for the franchise. With Chris Ivory likely out again this week, um, would you go TJ Yeldon or Theo Riddick, Th- Theo Riddick this week? Uh, TJ Yeldon, for me, I don't think it's close. That's what the number one thing I looked at when I pulled this roster up tonight was Danny Woodhead and Theo Riddick up there. Uh, great week ones from both of them. They could both go for three points this week. Um I think TJ Yeldon's going to get a lot of touches. Um, I don't know that Theo Riddick is going to see that same volume this week against Tennessee. I think that could be a closer game. That San Diego defense is bad at everything. So I think TJ Yeldon could find some success. Um, I'm not sure that Jacksonville's not winning that game and give it to Yeldon late. Yeah, it's Yeldon for me. Um, Got to have him in your lineup, uh, I feel like, against San Diego. I mean, that's just a bad team. Um, they can be scored upon. And usually they're, they're just getting in shootouts all the time. I mean, you, you want shares of whatever team's playing San Diego, I feel like. So if Yeldon's in, um, I guess it's Woodhead versus Riddick, then I think it's got to be Woodhead. Uh, just with Keenan Allen going out, I think the involvement calls for Woodhead to be a starter in this league now. Yeah, certainly uh, there's 10 targets to fill a game, and Woodhead's certainly a guy that can fill in some of those. you got to figure his uh, his usage is going to go up a little bit. All right, let's talk about the uh, Denver Desert Dogs. Oh, first of all, who wins Wolves and Franchise? Even though um, you told him not to start. Oh, all right, never mind. I'm gonna go with the Wolves. I'll take the franchise to go two and zero and win their last game of the season, according to Shane, at least. <laughs> all right, let's go Denver Desert Dogs uh, against Abusement Park. Start off with my team. Uh, when do we start worrying about Todd Gurley?
home runs. And you can say, isn't it the same as last year? But I just, I don't think that he's going to be valued at what we thought he was. Now, you keeping him at the value you got him at makes it okay. But I know you drafted around him thinking you had what you had. You're deep at running back, uh, which I think helps. But I think for most fantasy owners, it's, it's definitely worrisome because you had to get him in the first round. And I don't know that he's going to end there. Um, that's obviously a week one reaction. A lot, of, a lot of football to be played, but watching that game, it's definitely worrisome. I'm definitely worried if Case Keenum is going to continue to be the quarterback. Um, watch that game on Monday night, and, and he is downright terrible. Um, <laughs> so until they can find someone that can at least be competent back there, it's going to be really tough for Gurley in the early going uh, to find any room. I mean, they, they the 49ers were just pretty much selling out, saying make Keenan beat him, and it's not he's just not able to do it. So until they, they can get someone to play a little bit of quarterback there, um, it's going to be tough sledding for Gurley in the early going here. I, I don't think I'd press the panic button completely, though. Um, too talented of a player. Yeah. Um, obviously one of the best running backs in the league. Um, maybe Maybe – one maybe the most talented just runner um, now that AP is finally getting a little older. Um, I, don't, I don't think you panic completely, but it, it's going to be tough here in the early going, I think, with Keenan Mick, quarterback. Well, yeah, I'm not panicking here with Gurley. The one thing I keep telling myself is he didn't play four weeks last or the first three weeks of the year last year and then didn't play in week 17 and still finished as a top 10 running back. So even if I don't get a ton out of him, these first couple of weeks till they start to figure it out offensively, I still think, like you said, Shane, the talent is there to allow him to still be um, a top 10 running back in the league. So not pushing the panic button yet, but have at least uh, talked to a couple owners to see what their interest in Gurley would be. Um, just cause, mainly because I'm concerned about Watkins with my team and I may need to get some more depth uh, and Gurley would be a piece that I could definitely move to get some depth. How comes I wasn't one of those owners? It's pretty messed up. I don't want you to have Gurley and Bell at some <laughs> point, basically. Um, and when I say I talk to some owners, I talk to Fedley. So that's it. So, um, you know, your time will come in due time, Connor. Probably, uh, probably after week nine, we'll talk. <laughs> See where you stand on Gurley. So, I think I'll have my running backs set by then. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, talking about the park here, and sure, what's Travis Benjamin's ceiling now with Keenan Allen out for the year? too much of an uptick for me um, not a huge Travis Benjamin fan but like we said there, there's going to be 
10 targets a game that, that got to go somewhere else. So you got to figure Benjamin can jump in and get maybe one or two of those. Um, I'm with Ed here. I think I think Woodhead's going to be the the guy that sees maybe the, the biggest uptick in that offense. I don't I don't know that it's necessarily going to be Benjamin. I thought you liked Benjamin coming into this year. I, d- I do like Benjamin in, in this offense a lot better than I did with Cleveland. Um, certainly it seems like they're obviously a better quarterback play. Um, Philip Rivers is a much better quarterback than whatever he had last year in Cleveland. So certainly a team that likes to throw the ball around. But I still think Benjamin's ceiling is somewhere in, in the low like flex play at tops, high-end wide receiver too. All right. Uh, the thing I take from looking at Scher's team is he needs Gronk back, like, ASAP. Um, we saw Matt Jones not do much of anything, and James White's role in New England isn't very clearly defined right now either. So, uh, Gronk, he needs him back healthy, and it looks like that'll happen this week, of course, against me. So, uh, question is then, who wins this matchup, Park versus Dogs? Before I answer the question, you're not going to run Orleans Darkwell out there this week in that Giants Saints matchup, are you, Ed? I'll get it. Didn't you run out like four Giants last year in the, that huge, oh yeah, huge Giants Saints game, and none of them scored? <laughs> I think you had three <laughs> Giants in that game, and none of them scored a touchdown. Got a lot of bodies to fill that week. We <laughs> that week last year. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the Desert Dogs. Um, I don't know. I think you get off the get off the schneid here early. I'll take the park. This is now the point where I start fading my team every week um, in our predictions, just because I uh, got knocked down a peg last week, came back down to earth. So <laughs> let's move on to the next matchup. Uh, take your ball and go home. Is Emmanuel Sanders a top ten wide receiver play this week? He's a top 10 receiver this year, this week, but I uh, certainly like Sanders. I'm counting on a big week from this week. Um, I think he definitely gets into the 15-point range. Um, but like, like I said, I think they're going to be able to run the ball in Indianapolis as well. So, Yeah, I think I think uh, Sanders is probably a wide receiver one, maybe top 15 instead of top 10. Um, but I'm definitely confident about Sanders and the role he's going to play in that offense this week, uh, especially considering that Demarius Thomas has some real health concerns coming into this one this week. So I definitely like Sanders this week. I would uh, maybe try and get him in your FanDuel lineup, if at all possible, uh, for this week. Let's talk about Spears' team, Ice Cream. Uh, How good did Deshaun Jackson look on Monday night, and is there potential that he could be one of the big steals of the draft? Tell their game plan was 
Allen, he couldn't do that when he started throwing the ball in the dirt. Uh, they were giving him whatever he wanted underneath, and I think that's why uh, Deshaun Jackson was so effective. I don't think that that carries out um, every game. Uh, I think there's a potential for him to be better than we thought he was going to be because all of us were clearly off of him with the draft, and uh, Spears thought he got a steal with the value he got in Jackson, but I'm still not willing to jump on the Jackson train. Um, I'm I'm never been never been a big Deshaun Jackson fan. Uh, I'm not completely sold. Um, he's he always has a couple good games every year where he puts up some big big numbers. Um, I still think he's just a flex play for me, which is where he's at in Spears lineup, which is fine. Um, certainly wouldn't be opposed to running him out there in the flex spot, but I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think it's going to be anything huge out of Jackson this year. I think that might have been might have been the best we're going to see. I thought it looked great. Um, you know, you talk about the way the Steelers played him and the Redskins' offense, but I don't think that's necessarily how everybody's going to play them. I just, for me, he looked fast, and you know, it's one thing that Deshaun Jackson always has been and probably always will be. But he's kind of an older receiver. We feel like he's been in the league a while, and I think maybe some of these smaller guys that have relied on speed, we expect the speed to go away. And for me, it was just nice to see him healthy and really, I kind of felt like he was the main target in that offense rather than Jordan Reed. So I think that uh, there was a lot to be excited about watching Deshaun on Monday night. I thought he looked fresh and I thought it was encouraging for Spears' team. still an important piece in that offense but I think the one thing that the Redskins were lacking was wide receiver play last year and I think that it's pretty clear they have one available to them at least now um, let's talk about well who wins this one take your ball and go home or ice cream take ice cream too and it's not close um alright next matchup Elway division the St. Louis Patriots against Steel Curtain Eddie you beat Papa Claus twice last year um yeah and he has not forgotten I talked to him today on the phone and he said I just gotta beat Eddie this week I can't believe he still beat me twice last year so he is not not thrilled about the fact that last year you beat him twice, even though, you know, he finished third in the league. Uh, my question for his team, though, we talked about what you would do if you were the Spencer Ware owner coming off a high week like that. My question for Papa Kaz is, what would you do with Willie Sneed if you were the Willie Sneed owner? It's kind of turned into the Big 12 of the NFL. 
So I think Snead still has a lot of value. Is he going to do what he did week one every week? Absolutely not. Um, but I think he gave Papa Cos what he needed to see and maybe everyone to know that he's kind of got that role. And, you know, there was talk about Michael Thomas stealing his role maybe in the preseason with how good he looked. But I think Snead showed that he's still that, that number two guy. Yeah, I'm holding on to him. Um, obviously a huge game in week one. But uh, you know how I love my shares of uh, the New Orleans offense, <laughs> uh, especially get them in the dome, get them at home. Um, certainly, in prime time. yeah, definitely if you can get them in prime time as well. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm ha- I'm hanging on to Snead. Um, he's he's going to be a, a solid flex play and may even move into a viable wide receiver two play um, throughout the course of the year. Yeah, I guess, I don't know if it's just the fact that he's such an unknown player coming into last year. I don't have a lot of respect for Willie Sneed, but I don't think he's given us any reason to really doubt him so far in his career. Um, So I guess I would probably hold on him too, maybe sell him after that first Saints home primetime game when he puts up three of Breeze's 19 touchdowns that week. Um, (laughs) So I think I would hold on to Sneed for now, but always keep it in the back of my mind that Papa Kaz might be able to package him with something else and make a really big splash move here. So, um, hold Sneed for now, but as bye weeks come and some guys get desperate, maybe he's a piece that he can move to really upgrade the roster. Question on the curtain. Um, Eddie, I guess this one's mainly for you. Are you, are you concerned about Des Bryant? No, and I, I had a conversation with Segley started with the FanDuel League, um, and then I kind of threw it his way, because being a Cowboys fan, I said, I'm feeling good about Des Bryant, right? Just asking him, and he agreed with me, and the thing that makes me feel okay about it, even though he put up one point, he had two targets in the end zone, one of them was an overturned touchdown, because he doesn't know what a catch is, and he never will, um, and the other one, if Dak throws it about a foot further, he's going to moss the corner, and it's a touchdown, but he the corner got a hand on it. So those two targets in the end zone uh, make me feel good about it. You could tell that what they were trying to do with Dak was scripted, but I thought Dak looked really good in the offense. Uh, I think he did what they needed him to do, and I think the playbook's only going to open up for him since he showed that week one. Um, I don't think Remo's getting his job back. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Are we sure anybody knows what a catch is? They don't. They make it up as they go. A lot of these rules, the hits to the head, like everything. They're just making shit up as they go out there. <laughs> Back to the question. I'm concerned. Um, when you have Des Bryant on your team, you're you're not paying for someone that's just getting red zone targets. Um, sure, the red zone targets are nice, but you're counting on a guy that's that's going to be putting up 15 points a week. Um, he's got to be a big integral part of your team. Um, he's got to be getting eight targets a game and catching at least five, six passes for close to 100 yards. Um, that's that's kind of what you're paying for. When What you, would you spend on him at? 49. Yeah, just about 50, I was going to say. Um, you're, when you're showing out that kind of money, you got to get production. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely concerned about Brian. I'm, I mean, when Romo's there, it's, it's certain that he, he's a wide receiver one, but with, with everyone else, uh, I don't know, just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, obviously the thing about Dez that everyone gets excited about are the touchdowns, 
he's never been like a 120 catch guy. Um, he's usually more, you know, in the six catches a game, you know, close to 100 yards. Uh, but the touchdowns are always there. And Eddie, I don't know if you're thrilled with like a three for 25 and a score line from him, and that probably is more what he would have gotten if one of those had fell in his hands the way that you were saying you had hoped. Yeah, I mean, but I'm okay with it. He was six inches away from a two-touchdown game. I mean, it's there. And I think that that might be what his role is. But if you're going to tell me that Cole Beasley's going to continue to get as many targets as he got in this offense, there's no way. I mean, they're not winning games that way. They're going to go to Des eventually. I think they just wanted to see Dak run the offense, and, and they kind of took what the defense was giving them. Let's not... Let's not forget that it was a division game, and those are always tougher games. And I think I feel like they have probably some strategies and what they're going to do to try and stop or slow down this, especially against a rookie quarterback. He took what they gave him. Um, as he continues to do that, I think the offense evolves. So I'm not going to panic on it yet, because at some point when they're you know behind, he's still going to lean on this. He's still going to try and get him the ball. Should be a good opportunity this week to try and uh, cut Dez loose. You know, we saw Josh Norman only stay on one side of the field, and the Steelers really used that to their advantage, uh, getting Brown some nice matchups. So, you know, Dez is one of those talent freaks like Antonio Brown is, so they should be able to move him to the right side of the field and see what they can do against Breland. So. Yeah, last year I think the theme was that Washington struggles against big receivers, right, Shane? <laughs> that was. That was it. Dez is a big one, so uh, maybe this will pay off for you, Ed. Who wins this week? Pats versus Curtin. Uh, the Patriots do. I might not win until the bye weeks come. Because right now the depth that I thought I had is killing me because I can't decide who to put in who not to put in. I think that may clear up for me when bye weeks come. And I feel like I have guys that I can put in and be okay with and other people don't. So I might start out with four. Um... Curtain, and it's close. I'll take the Patriots, too. I uh, touched on it in the power rankings that were released this morning. Um, until Bell comes back, D'Angelo Williams makes Papakaz a very dangerous team. Um, that dude looked incredible again. When he split those two defenders for, I think, his first or first touchdown run, I think it might have been, um, that was something else. That was vintage, just top running back in the league, D'Angelo Williams. So, with him there, uh, definitely makes his team tough. Oh, absolutely. This team's gonna be this team's gonna be undefeated until Bell comes back and Jeffrey goes down. When those two things happen, he'll be beatable. But until that happens, he's gonna be tough to beat. Jeffrey or Foster goes down. All of the above. Yeah. This team's gonna look different soon. He is itching, itching to make a move. So it's going to look pretty different here in a little bit, I think. All right, let's go to I'm the... Gonna, I'm going to break up the monotony here. I have a little trivia for you guys. All right, Mid, mid-matchup trivia. Here we yeah, go. we're, uh, we're uh, going to see how much you guys were paying attention in week one. I wasn't. Um, I didn't watch a snap until Monday. There were four quarterbacks who threw for over 350 yards. Can you name all four? Drew Brees. Drew Brees threw for 423. He he was the tops. Oh, man. Jameis Winston. Did not. No. 
How about the red rifle? Andy Dalton did. 366. Half of it went to green. All right. What about Alex Smith? Alex Smith did. 363. Did uh, Derek Carr get there? He did not. The last... It no, luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah, Luck. Luck threw for 385. Not bad. Not bad. Um, I'm going to keep going here. There were only two running backs who rushed for over 100 yards. Can you name them? D'Angelo Williams. He ran for 143. He was the top guy. And... Matt Forte. 96. Matt ah. Forte. <laughs> Noob's close. Let's think about this here. Um, wasn't Sean Drone. Um, it was not, but he did get in the end zone. <laughs> he did. That's stupid. That was, yeah, whatever. I hate you. Eddie, no help from you at all. What about Amir Abdullah? He did not. Alright, not even close because you don't even have a number. I don't know. It was Lamar Miller ran for 106. Oh, man. Um, week one. And we'll close it out with the receivers. We're going to talk about Lamar Miller in a little bit, all right? Um, only four, there were four receivers who caught over 130 yards receiving. A.J. Green. A.J. Green led the pack with 180. Cooks. Cooks had 143. Over how many yards receiving? 130. 130. Man. Sneed. Sneed at 172. There it is. Big week. How many are there? There's one that, more. Uh, one more. I thought that was it. Um, Brown. No. Did not. He had 126, I believe. Is this the hard one? I mean, it's the lowest one. It's a top player, though. Wasn't Hopkins, was it? Cooper. It was Amari Cooper at one thirty-seven. Oh yeah, that's right. He but had a big week. Fifth on the receiving list for week one, though. How about Spencer Ware, one hundred and twenty-nine yards receiving? Really, I did not know that. <laughs> it's uh, pretty incredible. All right, so let's get into Clan versus Hammer. Um, how soon do you think Fegley? Needs to package a couple of these real good players that he has for a top 10 player in the league. I feel like he has the best roster that to allow someone to do that. Um, so I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts are. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from week one is I think Fegley's team is the best team in the league. Um, 
just a lot of good players everywhere. Um, I was trying to find out when I was watching the uh, Sunday night game. I'm like, I couldn't remember who had Fitzgerald, and I'm looking, and he's stashed on Fegley's bench. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, like he has so many players that he really didn't even have a spot for him. Um, I think obviously that'll change during the bye weeks and everything. I mean, he'll he'll obviously have to play him at some point, but I mean, just the fact that he has some guys on his bench that should probably be started in a league like this. Well, um, yeah, not only you know Fitzgerald on his bench, obviously Josh Gordon when he comes back, potential starter. Yeah. And then uh, Tevin Coleman. That's going to get real interesting here in a little bit in Atlanta, I think. So those three guys, that was really why I wanted to talk about this. I mean, right now he's got a major hole at tight end. Might be able to make a push for Gronk. Um, But I just feel like one more big, big name on this team, that's real tough in my opinion. So Yeah, I'm going to... Go with Eddie on this one. I'm going to lean that way, though, and say I don't know that he needs to make a move right now. Um, why not take advantage of the fact that you have already what is a really solid starting lineup and you have a little bit of depth to go with it? Um, and when you get a guy like Gordon back, you can wait and see because um, we're not positive yet. I mean, we think he's going to be really good, but we don't we don't know for sure. Um, and you don't know for sure if he's going to stay on, stay on the field um, with all the problems. But... It kind of gives you that flexibility of being able to just make sure that he's going to be the, the guy that you think he is. I think if I were going to make a move here, the two guys that got off to good starts that I'm not high on for this year, and I still don't really want to change my opinion on just Tate and Baldwin, I don't think that he's going to get that every week from them. So I can see packaging those two together and trying to get that top-tier receiver. Um package those two you get a top tier receiver and you can still throw Fitzgerald in there or Gordon if you're getting something good out of him so that's something I can see um, I know other people are higher on Baldwin than me so that might sound stupid to some but I, I don't think Baldwin's going to do miraculous things this year every week in and week out uh, I think once they clean up their money game Baldwin's going to fall off a little bit um, so that's a deal I could see yeah we'll see we'll see what he wants to do I know he had some talks with Butler about maybe making a move for Antonio Brown. Um, but I think Butler isn't ready to pull that trigger yet. So, um, you know, Fedley's out there trying. I, th- I think it's definitely something he needs to consider. I'm, I'm definitely more more closer to him making a move than you guys are. I think that he should, uh, you know, really try and go for the jugular here and really add a, another top ten guy to go with Peterson. Um on that team, so. Well, did you hear the offer for Brown? I did, and Peterson was in it. I know that. It was a, so it was a pretty interesting offer. I thought. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty yeah. good both ways. Yeah, I, I, at first glance, I think I would have taken it if I was Butler, but after talking with Eddie, um, I think Brown might be the better guy to have. I think I like the Brown side better. So. Not only that, I told Fagley, like, yeah, I had the conversation with him too. Yeah, it's the same. The hammer is setting up to be the same thing it was last year. He's going to sit there fat and happy with his big weeks early. The first two weeks back-to-back that Brown and A.J. Green don't go absolutely bonkers and he loses two in a row, that's when he's going to be willing to pop Charles. So I think if he sits back and waits and has this team stockpiled and waits till Butler starts to struggle two or three weeks in a row because he's not deep and Brown and Green don't go nuts, then that would be the chance that he's going to get up to bite. 
All right, I'll keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> for the hammer, our question is, how much will his tight end flex one and flex two score this week? <laughs> Jason, Jason Witten, Shane Vereen, and Pierre Garcon. Um, I'll get that for you here. Go to the week one scoreboard. Witten we had, Witten, we yeah, Witten had a nice game. Um, it ended up being... 26.8. Yeah, 26.8. We were way off. I think I said 15, five piece. That's not way off. I'll, st- I'll keep it at 15. You said 14. Pretty sure I said 14. Oh, you said 10. Ed then. said 10. <laughs> no, did or 11. Yeah. 11, I think. All right, I'll bump, it, I'll bump it to 15 because I think Witten's better than we thought because of the Dacky checked out offense. All right, back to the question. Um, I just said 15. Uh, you said 15? about the question. Okay. Um, I'm going to go 12. I'm going to take uh, 13 and a half. I'll split the difference. <laughs> I'll go up a point. <laughs> Based on, uh, just go right in the middle of you guys. Uh, you know. All right, I'm going to go a little higher. I'll go 17. All right, then I'll go 16. Um, this is frustrating it's frustrating to know that teams can run out guys like this and freaking Jarek McKinnon and Sean Drone and get wins and I'm scrapping because freaking defense is so stupid I hate everything there won't be defenses in this league next year if I have anything to say about it I know that shit so all right, who wins this matchup? Cooper Clark's playing. I think Butler's probably sitting around saying again that green and brown is going to be a shootout. I feel like I heard him say that last year, and I think it's going to turn into an AFC North battle. Uh, Mr. the clan. clan this week. I'll take the hammer. Don't like luck at Denver. Um, Don't know that he plays luck. Really? Think he's running Dak out there? You might. All right. Well, I'm just gonna go with Butler because, like you said, the same shit's gonna happen that happened last year, and he'll be four and zero at some point, and then flip it over. So, all right. Let's go to the last matchup: Perky Owen Power versus the Bull Weevils. Um, you mentioned Lamar Miller, Shane. My question is: Is Lamar Miller the best candidate in the league to be the RB one at the end of the year? It's a tough question for me because I don't want to say yes because I picked him to not do what everyone said he was going to do but I guess if we're going off week one like we are I have to say yes Um, no no he's not who is the best candidate then Um, Adrian Peterson alright I thought you might say David Johnson um I think it's Johnson and Miller, one two rush to be the the number one running back in football this year. Miller twenty eight carries more than he ever had in a game in Miami. Um, that's Bill Bill O'Brien's mo there is to just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Um, I love Lamar Miller. I think he's going to be outstanding for Jeremy this year. So uh, 
very, very excited about what he's going to do in that Houston offense. So I think it's Miller one, David Johnson two, and then I'd go Peterson in the three hole. So, all right, let's talk about the Bull Weevils. Who fills in for Keenan Allen on this squad? I think it's Shepard for me. Um, not, obviously not a Tavon Austin believer. Um, not sure that Tyrell Williams is going to be any kind of answer for anyone. Um, I think it's got to be Shepard. Yeah, it's probably got to be Shepard right now. I think you guys are right. Um, you know, I'm interested to see what this Tyrell Williams is going to do, though. I think there, there's definitely some opportunity there for him. Rivers spoke highly about him this week. So I'm, in, I'm interested there. But right now it's got to be Shepard, especially going up against the Saints this week. Uh, also, Zach Ertz is going to be out for a little while on this team too. So, you know, Bull was the most aggressive on the wire this week, adding, uh, adding Dwayne Allen, adding Tyrell Williams. So I think... Uh, Right now, it's got to be Shepard, but definitely want to keep an eye on Tyrell Williams. Who wins this matchup? I'm going to go with the Perky and Power. He's got a nice start here with Decker, finding the end zone, like always. Uh, Marshall's back on the field, so that wards off any demons there. Yeah, it's the Power. Um, things are looking pretty bleak for the Weevils, I feel like. Um, some bad luck continuing rolling over from last year. I think the power get it done. Their, their running back combo looked pretty good in week one, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's going to be the power this week as well. Bull's going to start at 0-2, unfortunately for him, and he'll probably stay in the 12 spot in the power rankings. All right, so that wraps up the week two matchups. Are we ready to do some bold predictions? You guys got some stuff ready? All right, I'll start off. Um, Joe Flacco, top five quarterback this week. Got to love anybody going against the Browns right now. Uh, Carson Wentz looked like Joe Montana last week, so I think Flacco looks like Tom Brady this week against Cleveland. So I like Flacco. AJ Green over a hundred yards and two scores. Nice this week. How do you feel about that, Ed? Sounds like a guy that watches too much ESPN and thinks it's going to be a shootout. It'll be an AFC North game. I have not watched ESPN at all. <laughs> you just said Green kills the Steelers. You said that before we came on the air. Yeah, he always makes one or two circus catches a year, but it's, it's, it always ends up being an AFC North game, seventeen thirteen. All right, I'm going to go with my second bold prediction, Ryan Matthews, top 10 running back this week. Um, you know, Doug Peterson said that we got to get Matthews the ball. we got to really 
really feed him the rock. And uh, I think they will do that this week. And I like the matchup against Chicago. I'm going to go with my league prediction. Fleetwood franchise puts up the lowest score this week. The Woodhead-Riddick combo. I think he's going to be on the wrong end of that one this week. Does that mean you're, you're, my team's gaining some steam with, with you over there, Ed? No, it's not your team. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers this week. It's, I believe it's Sunday night football. Probably on two, uh, two defensive touchdowns again with that garbage. Um, all right, my third bold prediction, Tyler Lockett will catch a touchdown and run one back, <laughs> um, run a kickback. He'll be a top ten receiver this week. <laughs> Do we need to come to two bold predictions a piece or something? Because this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's getting in there every week until it happens. This guy, this guy's turning up this week. He is. They're gonna let him loose. Don't you worry about Tyler Lockett. There's certain parts of the show now every week that I feel like it's last year all over again. We talk about Butler bold predictions. Like it's just deja vu. I'm go uh, try to pump my own team up here a little bit. I'm gonna go Rawls top ten running back. Got his starting roll back. I think they saw enough to believe in him. Russell Wilson's got the banged up ankle. So I think they're going to lean on Rawls a little bit this week. Hopefully bust one or two off. I will go with Drew Brees outside the top eight starting quarterback. This is that because he's on the road outside? That's correct. <laughs> Nope. No. He hates Breeze on the road. Hates him. Always. Um, Ed, dying for it. Give it to us. Two for one. I was 50% last week. The Cleveland one was a little bit too bold for me, I think. Uh, that was a bad pick. Tough spreads this week. I like the Jags plus three to beat San Diego. Heads up. And I like Dallas. They're plus three to beat Washington. I don't think Washington's good. I don't think they'll ever beat a good team. Not that Dallas is good, but I think Dallas is getting better and Washington is not. Interesting. I, I can definitely get behind both of those. I like where you're at on both of them. Both of those are road teams, though, this week, I believe. But I think anybody going into San Diego could potentially be considered the home team. Uh, they don't really get much of an effort from their fans at all. The last thing to talk about, Eddie, you and I talked about it. Um, is Jeremy Curley going to be a thing? Or is this just the best guy in a bad offense? Yeah, I told you I think it might become a thing because the reason why there was some Torrey Smith talk in the offseason is everyone said someone has to catch the ball. Torrey Smith, I think, still is a one-trick pony. That's why they brought Curly in. I thought Curly looked good. Um, I think he's an experienced route runner. I think he's someone that's going to get a decent amount of targets. Um, it's obviously not a very favorable situation, but someone's got to catch the ball, and I think he's the best candidate for that right now. Yeah, he seemed to be a focal point in, in the offense uh, in week one. Um, Chip Kelly's always been a guy who seems to be able to 
find ways to get receivers running open in the middle of the field. And Curley seemed to be that guy in week one for San Francisco. Um, definitely a guy you should keep your eye on. I know he got picked up in our league. Um, yeah, he's certainly a guy that, that I would consider in my week-to-week uh, daily play. Um, get him for good value. He's going to be the guy that we're all looking at on the waiver wire every week this year. I feel like. Um, I think we'll all maybe start him at one point on a bye week <laughs> this year. So I just feel like we're going to be talking about Jeremy Curley a lot. And um, I don't know if the production is going to match how much we're going to talk about him. But I can see that being a thing. So, all right. Uh, thanks for joining us for week two Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm your commish, Denver Desert Dog. Thanks to Eddie Mitchum and Shane Stein joining me. Um, may have a special guest next week. As you guys, some of you guys know, I'm moving on Saturday, so I'll be shacking up at the parents' house for a couple weeks. Um, Papa Kaz is ready to join the podcast, so may not be next week, and maybe the week after that, but he's going to be on here soon, and I'm sure we'll get some nice smack talk from everybody's favorite bully in the league. So, thanks again for joining me, guys, tonight. Uh, and good luck this weekend.